And now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. And of course, you're listening to 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? I'm thankful for walking, Lyle. Okay. Walking with my friends. Did you walk to work this morning? No. Oh. I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> we work for recreation, not business. No, um, no, I went, uh, yeah, with a group of internationals, exchange students who have come to Newcastle Uni. Um, the majority of them being Japanese. And so we have the in with, you know, I work with Hannah and so got the, got the in there. Uh, yeah, there was a, a group of us. We went. Hannah uh, who is Japanese. Sorry? Hannah who is Japanese. That's right. That's right. And so we went walking, went to this place in Newcastle called the Hickson Street Lookout. Now, I, I, I frequent that because it's beautiful. Um, but if you are in Newcastle or if you are close to Newcastle and you've never been to the Hickson Street Lookout, you're, you're missing out. Like, this is probably one of the most beautiful spots in the entirety of Newcastle. Yapon Hill, looking out over kind of the Glenrock National Park and the beach. And especially when we got there last, you know, last, yesterday evening and it's like sunset and pretty and hanging out with all these people and, you know, spending time with them and, Talking about Jesus, like that's amazing. It was incredible. It was that's incredible. So awesome, and we, you know, walked walked our butts off. It was great. Yeah, that's awesome. I went for a walk the other morning. Yeah, we we walked down a motorbike track. Oh, which actually turned out to be a terrible idea. Why? Because it didn't go anywhere. It just oh. went this way and then that way and then this way and then that way and around in circles and then back again and crossed over on itself and went nowhere. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show this morning, we're about to have our quiz, and then we're going to hear from the Tweed Valley Adventist Choir. More about them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But we'll start with our first clue for the quiz. I complained to my fellow disciples, saying, let us also go that we may die with him. Who am I? Who is incredibly... Uh, depressed, I guess. This guy's kind of struggling. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you uh, know the answer, you can call or text that number, tell us what the answer is, and you'll go in the draw to win the Andrews Study Bible, the Bonded Leather Black Edition. This is uh, around RRP. Recommended, yeah, RRP. Uh, around 140 bucks. This is an expensive, amazing, awesome Bible, which is a fantastic investment and something that you can win, provided you just keep sending those answers in. We'll have five opportunities for you to send in answers today. That's five entries to the quiz. So 0491-064-669. Okay. Positively different news. Do we have uh, David on the yes, phone? Yes, we do. We have David Williams on the phone with us. David, are you there? I am, I am. Hello, guys, and good morning. Oh, good morning, and welcome to the show. We're getting you on now to talk. We've already uh, had some discussion already about, you know, the different uh, singles that have been released by the Tweed Valley Adventist mm-hmm. College, but right now the album has just dropped. Yes, yes. So the album um, now is on uh, online platforms, such as Spotify, um, Apple Music, um, I think mm-hmm. also YouTube Music, and, um, yeah, other platforms. Which is pretty cool. So there's been some pre-release of uh, a certain pre-release of some of this music, has there, uh, David? This is the first time it's able to be streamed. Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah. First time that it's yeah actually able to be online and purchased online um, through online streaming um, 
companies. So before we had just had the CDs um, and we were selling them before they went online and then, yeah, now they're online. Mm. Our listeners are really looking forward to this drop, and so now we can get online and and look it up. I'm just, I'm on the Spotify page right now. The album is titled "Lift Him Up," and "Him" is spelled H Y M N. You know, a bit of a play on words there. Lift him up. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. By the Tweed Valley Adventist College. So this is this is fantastic news. Listeners, head on to your streaming platforms. Well. Keep listening to our show this morning. Um, but yeah, David, thank you so much for joining us this morning to to inform us as to uh, yeah the fact. And congratulations, that this album's dropped. <laughs> thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. That was David Williams uh, from the Tweed Valley Adventist College. Guys, head on to your streaming platforms, probably onto YouTube Music as well. You can probably find it on YouTube. But yeah, as we said, lift him up by the Tweed Valley Adventist College. We love to promote these drops because we know these artists. We know that they're putting the hard work in and doing incredible things. Yes. And so good for them. It's awesome. Good stuff. Fantastic. What else is happening in the world of positively different? I think that's like the most positive story I've heard all week, uh-huh. if not all month, uh-huh. uh, particularly because, you know, we've been able to listen to quite a bit of their music here on Faith FM as it has, you know, been out on CD. Mm-hmm. And we keep getting requests for it, like, yeah, where can we stream it from? Where can we download it? And now you can. Now you can on all of your streaming services. Okay, in my positively different news today, I want to talk about old people. Okay. And old people doing cool things and setting world records. Awesome. Now, this first story is one that you'll particularly like, Lyle. Mm. Um, An 83-year-old man has just set the record for crossing the Pacific, the oldest person to cross the Pacific Ocean solo um, in one go. Is that so? Yeah. I'm actually surprised. So this 83-year-old dude... Uh, his name is Kenichi Hori. He is a Japanese guy mm-hmm. from Japan. Yes. And since the age of 23, he's been crossing the Pacific Ocean solo. Right. Um, so this is like a... So he just kind of does it so th- like once a year. Yeah, it's just a thing. thing that he's super into. In fact, the first time he did it, he like made a boat. Like it was just a super old school vessel made from ply. Um, and this guy, you know, as a 23 year old cr- crossed the Pacific by himself, ended up in San Francisco. Well, oh, by the way, this was like 60 years ago. The first sure. time he came across, uh, ends up in San Francisco, you know, sails into the Bay area and then doesn't have a passport. Oh, so he can't go ashore. Any money. Um, but luckily, you know, the mayor of San Francisco heard about this guy and what he'd been doing, and so they gave him a temporary passport, an, <laughs> an honorary visa. Visa. They gave him visa. an honorary, honorary visa, and, uh, you know, they have his... For the first boat that he crossed in is in the uh, San Francisco uh, National... Like, the historic museum there. So did he sail back, or did he leave the boat there and... Uh, so I, he left the boat there yes. and, and flew back. Yes. But ever since, he's been crossing the Pacific Ocean making boats out of, like, recycled material. Oh, really? Yeah. So whether it's, like, old kegs or plastics or whatever it may be, um, it's kind of... And, again, he's not doing this necessarily to to raise money or anything like that. He's just like, I really like sailing. I really like the ocean. I think it's probably the most valuable resource we have. And so, yeah, I'm just going to cross the ocean in plastics that I find in the ocean. Okay, so he's 83 years old. He's just done the crossing again. Uh, yeah. From where to where? Is this from Japan to the United States? Yeah. So uh, a no, no, of... sorry, from the United States to Japan. Okay, so from the United States to Japan. 
Uh, so that's kind of like the North Pacific then, rather than the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. A little bit shorter across the North than the South. That's right. Mm-hmm. Did he sail in a boat made out of recycled plastic bottles or something? Uh, like that? Or was this more more this, traditional boat? This time around it was a little bit more traditional. He's 83 years old, so he's allowed. That's right. He's he's getting up there. Um, but it's got some of the stats of this boat. It's called the Suntry Mermaid 3. Uh, it's a 19-foot long, so it's only it's a 6-meter long oh, boat. It's a little boat. It's a small it's a small, yacht. small little thing. Uh, it's only, they reckon it only weighs about 990 kilos as well. Yeah, 19 is- footer. Wow. Yeah, a small 19-footer across the, across the North Pacific Ocean. And, uh, yeah, he pulled into the key peninsula in Western Japan at, uh, 200, no, sorry, not 200, uh, 2.39 a.m. local time. So he, you know, pulls up, greeted by his family. And, uh, luckily as he's doing this, you know, he has connection back to his family in Japan and he's texting them and talking to them every day because he, he loves his family. Um, and he's, he's chatting with them. He's like, Oh, you know, I'm just making my way home. The first time he did this crossing when he was 23, um, he just had an old radio as they did 60 yes, years ago. Yes. Uh, and he, he made the voyage, but yeah, this is, a, I think this is an amazing story. I don't know. Lyle, yeah, for those who are not bilingual, thing. that's uh, 5.7 meters. Yeah. That's so he's, Basically a large tinny. Yeah, that's... <laughs> With a sail on it. That's right. And, uh, yeah, taking him, you know, a, a bit of time to get across. In other news of old people doing cool things. Now, we've gone from 83. The next person I'm going to talk about is 103. Ooh, another 20 years older. So now we are we are getting up there, 103. Are we going to mention the Queen in the story? Uh, uh, no. Because she's an old person doing she, amazing things. She is an old person. Um, she's actually kind of... Declining a little bit, unfortunately. You know, she she's allowed to. Of, she's allowed to decline a little bit at this age. Yeah, that's fine. I know, I know. But she's, you know, but now we're talking about old people that are doing really crazy things. Um, there is a woman. She is from Sweden. Her name is Rut Larsen, and she has just set the record at 103 years old for the oldest person to skydive. Really? Yeah. No one, no one at 103 has ever skydived before. Uh, that's that's actually quite reasonable for that to have never happened before. So actually, she beat the previous person who did it at 103 and uh, 129 days. She was 103 and 259 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. she snatched the record on uh, days here, and I'm sure you know if if she gets a you know a couple couple more couple more years out of herself, she might throw herself off a plane a couple more times. A friend of mine went uh, skydiving with his grandmother the other day. Mm-hmm. I th- thought that was pretty cool. That is crazy. That's... Maybe, maybe, I should, uh, maybe I should suggest this to produce a shell. Maybe. Maybe this is something she can do with her grandchildren one day. Yeah. No, well, I'm thinking, well, okay. I, th- I think she's up for it. I think well, she's up right for it. now the... we're seeing records of people who are very old jumping out of planes and skydiving. What's the record for the youngest skydiver? That I do not know. And can we break it? We know young people. That would be more challenging. We know very small people. We do. You know them. Yes, it could be easily done, but would it be wise? <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, well, the, the baby itself doesn't pull the parachute, right? It's a, it's a, it's a tandem one. Okay. So if you just... Str- no, producer Shell is strap, definitely no. Strap flow no. your no, granddaughter no, to the not chest not and then just jump out of the plane. Yeah, not happening. Come on, guys. It's a genius idea. Nope. You could make money from this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Producer Shell has this harrowing look on her face. She's just like, no way, <laughs> no way. But uh, yeah, I, as uh, as we close up, up, I was just like, well, all people doing amazing things. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Go out there and get it. Mm-hmm. Well, time for the quiz. It is. Second quiz question. Second quiz questions. Where did God breathe life? Oh, wait, okay. Where did God's breath of life go, specifically on day six of creation? If you know, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And if you get this question correct, you will have another entry into the draw to win the Andrew Study Bible, the Bonded Black Leather Edition, um, which, yeah, guys, is a big, amazing, expensive Bible that we would like to give to you, provided you win the draw. Um, it will be a blessing to you. And if you read the Bible and do what it says, it will also be a blessing to others. So 0491-064-669, where did God's breath of life go into specifically on day six of creation? All right. Somebody uh, texting through here, Braden says, I thought we were trying to keep plastics out of the ocean. No, we're recycling them yeah, yeah. to be used in the ocean. But seriously, uh, that guy, guy's feats are pretty amazing. Mm. And uh, then another text message here, no, Lawson, babies do not have the neck strength to go through a skydive. As much as I think skydiving is pretty cool, I'm happy to wait till heaven and can skydive for free. Well, they don't have the neck strength because we've never created a device that strengthens their neck. We did look it up. The young, well, there, See, there is this thing called consent as well. Ah. Uh-huh. You can't really ask a baby, hey, you want to go jump out of an aeroplane? Well, can you ask a four-year-old that? Well, you, they did. <laughs> we looked it up. Four-year-old is the, in South Africa. South Africa okay, four-year-old that's... is the youngest person to ever skydive. It was, of course, it was tandem. And they seemed they, they actually had a great time. Of course totally they enjoyed. would. It's yeah. like the finest thing ever. What four-year-old wouldn't? Let's go to Nicaragua or something like this and jump out of a plane. 100%. Yep. Nope. No. <laughs> no. I've seen what kind of planes they fly in countries like that. I've uh, been in planes that uh, they fly in countries like that. It was adventurous. Yeah. Adventurous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so we have this, uh, moving to more serious news, we have this uh, ceremony this last Saturday where a massive bronze lion statue was unveiled and dedicated in Jerusalem. This thing weighs 1,134 pounds. It is 11 feet long. Probably should translate that across, but yeah, it's a big one. Um, It was created created by American Christian artist Max Greiner, and it was made to support, to symbolize the support for American Christians to the Israeli Jews. And so this basically celebrates the shared uh, friendship between Christians and Jewish people. And I think these kind of things are a great idea. I think that we should be uh, drawing together as a world. I don't think we should be drawing apart. I think that we should be uh, being friends with everybody. And symbols of friendship, that's that's great. You want to create a symbol of friendship? I think that's fantastic. Mm. What I do find, though, is that often these symbols of friendship only tend to go, you know, sort of one direction. Mm. Now, ecumenism, as we know according to Bible prophecy, is going to be one of the tools that the devil is going to use at the end of time to draw the whole world together in rebellion against God. But Mm. at the same time, the idea of being at peace with all people and in a state of friendship with all people is a very good and positive thing. Mm. You know, we do not want to see different religions going to war with each other as you see in places like the Ukraine, for instance. Yeah. This is a terrible idea, and we've seen it over and over and over again. What I do find fascinating, I know I've talked about this before, 
is this very one-sided support for uh, Jews in Israel from the United States. Mm. And, uh, you know, you can contrast that then with the level of support that they have for, say, Islamic people and Islamic countries, Mm. you know, where they've banned a whole bunch of them from, you know, even getting a visa to visit the United States and this kind of thing. And it's a very, very big contrast. And so I thought for a moment, you know, what 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 are the similarities between these three beliefs? Why aren't we, you know, dedicating a giant bronze lion or some other, well... Islam, they don't have carved uh, statues, so we wouldn't do that, but some other symbol of friendship with Islam. Mm. Why be creating enemies when we have the opportunity to be creating friends? Now, of course, there's always going to be enemies. You can't get rid of all enemies, but we should be doing what we can to be at peace with all men and to create opportunities for friendship. And so I was thinking about, okay, what are the similarities that you've got? Okay, between uh, Christianity and Judaism, yes, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, Probably the big difference would be summarised that Christianity focuses on right beliefs and uh, Judaism focuses on right practices. Mm. And so for Christianity, salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and having the, you know, believing in Jesus Christ, whereas within Judaism, it's with doing the right thing. Mm. But we do serve the same God. We do share, like, two-thirds of the Bible Mm -hmm. is the same. So there's, you know, some significant similarities. But then I was thinking about Islam because Islam is the other great Abrahamic religion, uh, which also focuses on, on, on right actions. But you've got the same God. You've got the same books of Moses. You've got the same New Testament, which Judaism doesn't have. You have the same Jesus as Messiah, mm. which Judaism doesn't have. Uh, you've got, well, for us as Seventh-day Adventists, we don't uh, eat pork or drink alcohol, uh, which uh, Judaism doesn't eat pork, but they do drink alcohol. Then you've got uh, the same belief in the Second Coming. That's the same with Islam and Christianity, you've got the same Ten Commandments, you've got the same bans on idolatry. Of course, that wouldn't transfer across into Roman Catholicism, for instance, mm-hmm. but most Christian churches don't use uh, images in their worship. You've got the same belief in Satan, you've got the same belief that the body is the temple of, the, of God, mm. uh, you've got the same belief that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a virgin, you've got the same belief in the family, you've got the same belief in the judgment of all humans, Um so there's a lot of similarities here. Uh, then, of course, looking at what all three share in common, all three share the creation story, the fall of man. All three of them believe in moral living, a loving God, which not all religions have, uh, heaven and hell. Um, all three of them have a day of worship. Um, all three believe in corporate worship, so coming together once a week to worship. Uh, all three of them believe in praying every day. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we can celebrate that are similar things and that are very good and positive things. I think it would be a great opportunity for us to look at the, to draw together rather than to drawing apart. Mm. There is nothing gained by driving wedges between us. Now, I'm not saying here that in any way, shape, or form, you know, we compromise our beliefs. Mm. I'm not saying we form one great amalgamated religion. What I'm saying is that. We have interfaith dialogue and we have uh, interfaith opportunities so that we can actually get to know and to understand each other and become mm. friends with each other because so often we have these divisions that are really driven primarily by our ignorance of where each other is coming from. Mm. 
Anyway, that's my first little rant for today. Interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting um, um, story that popped up here in Joel Olstein's church in uh, uh, his, his Lakewood church in, in Texas. Have they found another hundreds of thousands of dollars? No. Oh, okay. No. There was uh, women in underwear. Hmm? Yes. So three women, uh, part of uh, an advocacy group, advocacy group, a pro-abortion advocacy, advocacy group, stood up just as Joel Olstein was about to start preaching, stripped down to their underwear and started to uh, chant their pro-abortion slogans. So this has been an interesting experience to have in church, one that I've never had before. I've had people, you know, stand up in church uh, while I've been preaching and object to the message. Uh-huh. That's always an adventure. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, never never had anything quite like that one before. I've had people in church wearing very little, uh-huh. like remarkably little, and, of course, this was in, you know, a very traditional part of a remote part of a developed country where they were wearing what they wear every day, uh-huh. but it's certainly not what you would expect to see in church in, you know, a Western country. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, an interesting way to try and get their point across, of course, they were uh, escorted out of the church and there was another small demonstration that co- continued outside the church. So, like, Lakewood Church is massive. Yes. Like, everyone noticed, everyone could see these women. They were just. They were in the front row. Oh, okay. And of course, you know, somebody in the row behind videoed it all, so. That is gnarly. And it's interesting, it's always an interesting thing from a speaker's perspective when something like this happens, Mm. when somebody objects from the audience. Because when somebody objects from the audience, you kind of automatically have. The whole audience's uh, sympathy, totally, sympathy, totally. Until you lay hands on them and escort them out, and then they have the sympathy, uh-huh. and you lose it all. Is that what happened? That's what happened. Ooh, <laughs> interesting things happening. Weird things happening in the churches around. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, joining us on the phone this morning, uh, as always, to talk about emotional health is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Jennifer, where are we picking up this time? What, are we, what is our subject of discussion for today? Right. Well, we've been talking a lot about the three brain system and how we have um, a survival brain that acts on impulse, an emotional brain where we store all our emotional memories and we, we feel things. We've also talked about our intelligence and how we can rationally think about things. Um, and that has to work in balance. And then we've talked about the heart and the brain connection because if that isn't right, if your heart is doing overtime and spiking and uneven, then the brain keeps reacting as though there's an emergency and we end up living on adrenaline. So one of the things we need to do is learn to work with the three brain system and slow it down so instead of acting on impulse or being cold and distant, we can integrate those three brains and have the appropriate amount of emotion or deal with issues as they come up. And most people I work with, and I know I still struggle with this, there are times when you act on impulse and you say something you don't really want to say or you go, oh, that wasn't the right thing to say. And that way we can hurt people, upset people or get reactions from people. Mm. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that. Um, Call it foot and mouth disease. And I know we all (laughs) So I thought maybe we can talk about the brain and how we can work to get the balance back 
Because really, when you think about it, when we talk about mental health or mental emotional health and illnesses, if it's depression or anxiety, they're very emotionally focused disorders and they're usually connected to the past. So it's, yeah, and it's sadly, we have, um, still have people who discriminate against mental health and people are, don't like admitting it. And there's a lot you can do with this, just learning about the brain and how to balance it. Um, and that can help you improve your mental and emotional well-being. And I think that's important or recover from trauma, which is where we started with floods and fires and all those things. Yes. Um, so one of the things is I think being a bit more self-aware and recognising how your brain is really working. Are you impulsive? Are you distant? Um, do you manage things well? And to start to um, be able to pick up on, I guess, on that emotional content at a given time. You know, if you're feeling sad, why are you feeling sad? Well, when you have a look, what you're thinking is sad. You know, if we're in fear, it's what we're thinking. So there's a, re- a relationship between what we think, and what we feel, and how we action or behave things. All right. Mm-hmm. How we how we um, actually feel is the way we think, and how we think is to do with our beliefs. So where do your beliefs come from? Where did you get your beliefs, Lyle? Where do you think uh, you got them from? Well, a lot of I think a lot of that comes from you know to begin with what you grow up with, but then it turns into what you choose to believe. Well, it does. And we our beliefs have already, some of them have been pre-programmed um, genetically. We have certain programs put in place. And apparently about a month before we're born, we take on the mother's emotions. So that they are programming in the brain. So if she's depressed, anxious, fearful, that's what the baby's already programming before they're born, which is a bit scary when you think about it sometimes. But... Um, when we're born, then the models we have are going to determine what we really believe. And it's, it's certainly initially the mother's beliefs, the family beliefs, then we get out into the world. So there's social beliefs, religious or spiritual beliefs that we pick up on, um, you know, peers, what, what we believe is a peer group. So we're programmed rapidly at a very young age. And that we don't walk around with all these beliefs thinking, oh, I know what I believe. We often lose track of what we really believe and it's not until we're with someone and we talk to them that we don't like their beliefs or they don't like what we believe. Mm. So it's important because if your beliefs are healthy, then of course emotionally you'll be healthy, but if they're irrational beliefs, um, then we can be affected by that because we're going to think irrationally and we're going to feel bad and then our actions follow. So there's that linear relationship, but it's what we believe that drives it. So I get people just to take stock of what do I really believe? And I guess the flood is an example. Do I believe that this is going to happen to me again and again and again? Um, and if I do, I'm going to live in fear. But if I believe um, it won't necessarily happen again, and if it does, I've got a plan and this is what I'm going to do about it, then I can relax and uh, I guess be in the moment. So you can see how beliefs influence you. Yes, very much so. And, you know, I think this is one of the great things about Christianity is because, you know, when these disasters come and when these, you know, really traumatic experiences come, we have hope, we we know what the future holds, we know what's going to take place, we know that this is not going to be, you know, the end. 
and, and, and particularly trauma where, say, for instance, somebody who is close to us passes away or something like that, it is not the same for a Christian person as it is for a secular person who has no hope. That's right. And I find that it's well, when I came into the truth, when I started to relearn the Bible because I'd lost track of it and I started to look at what I need to understand and believe, it made a huge positive difference to my life. So I find what God teaches us or what we believe about love and about treating each other and how we deal with life and that we have a God of love who's in control makes a huge difference to how I live my life. Um, Certainly, and I'm sure that a lot of the listeners can relate to this, that when we have those beliefs and we pray or we ask God for help, he gives it. It reinforces the belief that he loves us and cares for us and it takes those anxieties and fears away. Um, and uh, that becomes our belief system then. Mm. So obviously anxiety still exists amongst Christian people. Is that a lack of faith on their part? Is that because they have a, a, a less amount of faith? Maybe a, 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 they haven't grown enough in their Christian experience? Or is there you know, some physical attributes to this as well that are causing that anxiety to come through? Well, I believe anxiety is, um, can protect us. Because if something is fearful, we feel anxious, we've got to stop and hang on, what's happening here? Why am I feeling anxious? Mm-hmm. And then if we, that and we look around and use our thinking brain, we can work it out and go, oh, that's why I'm anxious. I'm worrying about this. What am I? And, and I get people to learn how to fix the problem in the present. So if you're anxious about something in the future, and then if you're a Christian, you can pray about it, give it to God, seek his help, and reduce your anxiety. And this is where the breathing we talked about, calming the heart down, helps to do that. But I find some Christians are anxious for the wrong reasons. They are terrified of what's going to happen to them as this world gets worse and worse. And instead of trusting God and having faith, which is a belief, then um, they're going to feel anxious, which interferes with their relationship with God. So we can have appropriate reactions with anxiety or inappropriate. Does that make sense? It it makes absolutely perfect sense because an appropriate reaction for, you know, in relationship to anxiety, I mean, that's that's what we need to be able to save our life in a dangerous situation. Um, Absolutely. It's when we start living with anxiety and we're having anxiety, you know, on a daily basis that it becomes irrational. It's not, it's where we need the the rational brain to kick in a little bit more. Does it become, does it, I'm just wondering about this because you mentioned that there is, um, adrenaline that is released into the body as a result yes. of uh, anxiety or trauma, does that become addictive? I mean, we talk about adrenaline junkies, you know, who, you know, we, we had a story about skydiving this morning and, you know, we sort of see that as being a bit of an adre- adrenaline junkie kind of a sport. Do people become addicted to anxiety or to trauma or to drama in their lives? I mean, we come across those kind of people that it almost seems like they create drama whenever there is no drama because they seem to not be able to live without it. Is, is, this, is this some kind of anxiety addiction or, is, it a, or is, it, is there a physical kind of adrenaline addiction that is behind this kind of it's not, Yeah, It's an adrenaline addiction and children who live and grow up with a lot of fear or trauma in their life become very addicted to adrenaline. Uh, there are personalities that love that adrenaline rush. I'm not one of them. You know, and they take risks. They're the risk takers. Sure. So some of it can be 
personality, but generally if we're brought up with in an adrenaline household where everyone's on edge and you know, there's constant dramas, then the brain becomes addicted to it where we want that to, to feel alive. We've got to have that adrenaline rush. Therefore, if things get too quiet or peaceful, they create or look for dramas to be able to um, get that fixed. It's no different. And this is why we get adrenaline junkies because they love the rush. They love the thrills. They're the thrill seekers. Um, and they look for it to the point where they will risk their life, which is, uh, you know, logically it's hard to believe that that's what will happen. So, yes, it is highly addictive. It's, it's a drug. It's a, a drug in our system, mm. basically. It's, uh, it's treatable, but people have to want to look for more peace in their life and stop the, you know, the adrenaline the adrenaline rush, and that's hard. You know, they've done it for years. And I would imagine that, you know, the older a person becomes, it would be more challenging to get that adrenaline shot, you know, just from a physical perspective. If you are, you know, your classical sports-based adrenaline junkie, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that would come with its own set of challenges and, you know, maybe uh, contribute to things like midlife crisis or whatever it might be. Yeah, well, it does because if you run on adrenaline, it's like putting, it's like revving the engine constantly. You're putting your car up on blocks, and we talked about this revving the engine and burning rubber the whole time. And if you never stop that, and that's where that nervous system has to put the brake on, then you burn out. This is where we get burnout, whether it be people are addicted to work, workaholics, and it has to do with adrenaline, and they burn out. You know, there's all sorts of things we do and sports people can burn out if they go to excess and don't look after themselves. Mm. So, yes, we do an exhaustion and that's when you end up with these, uh, what they call those autoimmune inflammatory disorders because adrenaline drives the system in a way the immune system is um, impacted, the heart, every the brain, everything's impacted and wearing out. So... Uh, it's a very dangerous thing to do because you end up with all sorts of illnesses because of it, or exhaustion. Chronic fatigue is a, is a classic example of burnout. So it's um, not good. Yeah, yeah. Does it? Just a question that's sort of coming into my mind is: Does it abate with age? So if I look at myself at fifty compared to myself at twenty, at twenty I was much more likely to do you know dangerous things and get a thrill from it. Whereas now at 50, I'm like, you know, I've proved my manhood enough times in my life. I don't need to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> well, let's hope for people who do do like you grow up, we mature, we change our priorities. And I think when we're younger, we're more impulsive and gung-ho and have less. And today, particularly, a lot of young people don't have that self-preservation. Um, so, yeah, but I think as you get older, generally you do, but not everyone I know older people who are still looking for the thrill. So, yeah, so it just, it comes back, I think, to personality. It comes back to what's happening in their life, Um, you know, how, you know, what their needs are. And often we seek thrills in that to, to fill a gap in our life because maybe we are lonely or we don't cope well or we're not confident. So it's, uh, yeah, so it comes back to, looking at what we can do to be able to solve that problem. And you, you talk about filling gaps in our life and, of course, you know, that 
God-shaped hole that everybody one of every one of us has, I think, is the ultimate gap that needs to be filled in our life. Oh, it does because I find when you look at what, you know, as a Christian now, I might be wound up and had a big day and feeling a bit stressed. But then I go and sit down and do some breathing and then talk to God and have prayer and maybe listen to some good praise music, and I just go from that high level of rushing and adrenaline down to peace and calm. So, And that's because it slows the heart rate down, it resets the brain, it focuses you back in the present. So anything you do like that is a positive. I mean, there are many ways to focus the mind, but I find for me that's a very powerful way. Jennifer Skews, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. We always enjoy what you have to share with us about emotional health. We look forward to next week when you'll be back on to continue this series. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.